Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Welcome to Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Burke. And welcome to the show. Well, it's a big day, isn't it? It is a huge day. It is a big day. Today we have the release of the new app, Vicar 16.0. Holy buckets. Should we try this out? Let's try this out. Hey, Vicar, uh, what's the temperature outside? Oh, let me get on that. Uh, Hampton <laughs> weather. There you go. <laughs> well, are we in Hampton, Virginia? Nope, nope. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> 67 degrees and sunny. All right. Well, very good. I will say, not as polite as Alexa was last time, but, That's true. you know. We'll get there. You'll be okay. You have some awfully small shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I have a bre- beverage today. Oh, let boy. Me, let me uh, get that ready here. All right, we have today. I know you're an Aldi shopper. Of course. I have uh, Bella VA. How do you pronounce that, Vicar? <laughs> VA. Bold. Oh. All right, it's uh, sparkling water, but this is we had that before. What did we have last time? Uh, lime, key lime, I think. Yeah, it was. something like that. This is lime, but it's cherry lime, but it's a little bolder. Oh boy, it's not bad. You know, it's it's actually quite good when paired with other things. You know me, I usually slum these things, so I'm glad <laughs> we're going top shelf sparkling water this time. There you go, one for you. And I brought enough even for Vicar. I didn't have to give him a, a drink box or anything. There you go, Vicar. You know, maybe Victor would have preferred the the juice box. <laughs> Looks good to me. All right. Looks good. All right, let's see. You want to go first, Berg? This, so, Victor, this is a very important part of the show. So, this is cherry lime sparkling water. Cheers. It smells good. What do you think? More cherry than lime, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's got a little more. So most of the sparkling water's just got a little flavor. This has got a little bit more, but it's still mm-hmm. sparkling. Are you into sparkling water, Vicar? I think I just got the fizzle. <laughs> well, we like sparkling water because it matches Berg's sparkly personality. He's just I'm a bubbly, that. happy person all the time. So I can be accused of that. Do you think he kind of, he's been told a few times that he kind of looks like the seminary president of your institution. I could see it. I could see it. I mean, we're both very good looking gentlemen. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, should we, God should we put bless us side by side, side on the, on the uh, Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> we should. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, it might, it might boost attendance over at the seminary. I want to say yes. I'd, ha- I'd hate to break anybody's <laughs> camera. All right, so, Berg, what are you preaching on? Well, the text is Trinity 10, which is Luke 19. What is it, 41? 41 to 48. 41 to 48, if anybody's following along. And this is the happy text of the destruction of Jerusalem. All right. Where uh, <laughs> Jesus weeps over the city. That's great. Whenever you make Jesus cry, that's always a good time, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and so why is he crying? He's crying because they didn't know the things that make for their peace. They didn't re- recognize the Messiah. In fact, in just a few days, they're going to kill him. Um, and But yet these things were hidden from their eyes. And it's interesting because in the early Missouri Synod, um, during this time, right after the gospel reading, most of the time, uh, Missouri Synod pastors would read the account of Josephus, who talks about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, mm-hmm. which is the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy that mm-hmm. the city is going to be destroyed. And so uh, we see that even though he weeps over Jerusalem, he still does something about it. He enters the temple, he cleanses it, and he teaches daily in the temple, and we see that the people hang on all his words. So what kind of things does this teach us? One, it teaches us that Jesus doesn't cry crocodile tears. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. Um, he desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Calvinists have to get, you know, they get this uh, text stuck in their craw because mm-hmm. um, Jesus is actually feeling something here, and he's not lying about it, right? Yeah. Um, he actually desires these people to be saved. So double predestinationists, uh, change your mind. And, and so, so, so one thing interesting, if it's just a few days before he dies, guess who he's, he's not concerned about? Who? Himself. Indeed. I mean, wouldn't you be? You're right. Say I told you, hey, Berg, in three days, you're going to be tortured and die. You'd be like, oh, well, I really feel bad for my town. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. They're going to miss me so <laughs> much. <laughs> no, but uh, he, he weeps a- over them. And and the, the significance behind the temple is that's where God's presence was for so many years, right? That's where God met with his right. people. And so And where the apostles would meet after Jesus' death and ascension into heaven, you know? So um and the thing too is I, the so what's the gospel y parts of this text? Well Jesus actually cares, right? Mm-hmm. Um and he still does something about it. He goes and he preaches and he teaches and the people hang on his word. So this shows us something else, right? That not all Israelites are Israelites. Right? Paul says this in Romans chapter nine that not all who are descended from Israel are of Israel. Mm-hmm. That is, it doesn't matter who your daddy is, right? Faith is not genetic, right? That uh, those who hear the word of God and keep it are Jesus' brothers and mothers and et cetera, et cetera, right? It reminds me, that reminds me of uh, when I used to work at the grocery store throughout college and seminary, and they'd find out that I was uh, going to be a pastor. And I, well, what kind? I said a Lutheran. And I'd say, oh, I, well, I get this uh, several times. Well, I'm Lutheran too. Oh, really? Where do you go to church? Well, my parents were Lutheran, my grandparents were Lutheran, and my great-grandparents were Lutheran. Well, what do you believe? Well, my grandparents are Lutheran, <laughs> and I come from a long line of Lutherans. But what do you? where do you go to church? Well, I come from a long line of Lutherans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like the Jews used to say, right, that, well, Abraham's our dad, right? Abraham's our father. God can raise up out of these stones children for Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the blood is. What matters is the faith of the heart. And uh, and so Jesus is in this text is, is uh, drawing near to the city. He sees Jerusalem and he, he weeps over it because mm-hmm. he, he loves them and he cares for them and he wants them to be saved. And all good pastors do this, mm-hmm. right? Moses did this. Uh, Paul does this all the time, right? Um, this is what pastors do. And, act, and, I, and I, I like... Here's, you know, here's a hint. They actually care about their people. Yeah. And want their salvation. Yeah, that's what? true. It's true. And vicars are learning to do that. 
Yes, vicars are learning to do that. <laughs> pastors are still learning to do but that. But there's something I want to point out also in what you said is this. There's a, and if you're a pastor, I think listen to the encouragement that this gives for you to do your work. Because sometimes as a pastor, it can feel as though you have those times where you feel like you're rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. You know, where... You're playing your swan song as the as the deck tips. And... Right, right. And... and you know, the world grows most, more more and more secular, and people care less and less about the church. And uh, it can feel as though that that's what you're doing. But look what Jesus did. He, he saw Jerusalem, and not only weep over it, it intensified it. Mm-hmm. You know, he spent even more time in the temple and teaching in the house, and, and people were, were drawn to what he had to say. And he faced strong opposition, but the people, uh, you know, but people did believe. Right, God's word never returns void. Right, and uh, we thank God for that. And uh, because... so, it's, it's, so it's one of those where you know, every once in a while, you get those gospel readings, and you read it, and you say, "This is the gospel of the Lord," and you're like, "Is it?" <laughs> <laughs> but it actually is. <laughs> but and, it is, and because... that's the one. That's the wonderful thing is that despite the judgment, Jesus still goes to work. He right. still mourns over his people, and he does the one thing that will save them from the judgment. He, he dies for them. He dies for them, and he preaches about it. And that is a wonderful thing. All right. Very good. Now, normally at this point, I would do a top 12 list. But you know what? I decided to do something a little different today because um, what I thought I would do is I'd have a, a special segment instead of the top 12 list. And that is get to know Vicar 16.0. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. So what I have is a half job interview to see if you still want to do this because, you know, podcast is forever. I mean, once you're on, you know, in five years, you know, or, or next year when the, they're trying to place you and they say, well, he's on the podcast. Are you sure? Because like Berg and I, we're already set, man. It's, tr- it's true. <laughs> I mean, holy bucket. So, so I have a few questions, you know, to help us get to know the app better, right? And uh, I thought what I would do is for, for uh, because I, I care about you, Vicar, and I don't want you to, to get in trouble at all with these questions, okay? All right. Is uh, I'm giving you uh, three free passes. Three times. You want to keep track, Berg? Okay. All right. Three times where you don't necessarily have to answer. Uh, top 12 questions for Vicar. And now you can pass on the yeah, I'll give you three passes. You're merciful. Number 12. Um, what is your social security number? I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> I, um, and I have some follow-up questions. Uh, what is your mother's maiden name? And <laughs> All right. Um, no, really. Uh, question number 12. Number 12. What is your favorite class at the seminary that you've had so far? Catechetics with Dr. Grobean. Okay. What is it that you like about it? We talked more about uh, teaching in general the Christian faith, not just necessarily in confirmation class, but also adult Bible study, uh, smaller kids, and also helping parents teach the faith in the home. Well, very good. All right. Number 11. Do you have any hidden talents? I could probably beat you in a board game. 
Oh, that's like, that's like, uh, that's not very impressive, Vic, I'm going to say. <laughs> um, I've tried a lot of board games. <laughs> hey, what's that one we play with the phones? Oh, uh, Quiplash? Yeah, that one. You should challenge the vicar to a Quiplash. What, yeah, what, what's the name of the game? Am I saying it right, Peter? Well, there's a, there's a lot of games, uh, but it's all in the uh, Jackbox TV party packs. Ooh. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that one. You're phenomenal. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right. Ready for uh, what, what question are we on? Number 10. All right. He's already keeping track of the numbers for us. Look at that. You know, it took a little while for the last one to catch up. This one, up. this is uh, a little quicker so far. This was a good update. Yeah. All right. Number 10. Do you like your chicken free range or deliciously caged? <laughs> Free range. Free range. Yeah. Okay. What do you like about free range? I never had free range chicken that I know of. Unless nuggets, chicken nuggets from McDonald's, are those free range? <laughs> By the way. I, I want to say yes. By the way, this vicar has the best laugh. <laughs> it's like a... <laughs> That's awesome. We'll I mean, right now, up. it, it kind of sounds like I'm cleaning my bathroom mirror. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, that is our first poor vicar moment. Uh. <laughs> Number nine. What is your favorite guitar chord? <laughs> and why? Oh, I'd have to go with uh, C because it's the easiest one to play. There you go. Like the efficiency. What do you think, Berg? I think that's awesome. So <laughs> I don't know what I would have chosen, so. That bring, are we at what, number nine? To eight. 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 Number eight. Now, our last vicar was exquisite at making animal noises. This is a two-part question. Exquisite? Really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a two-part question. Okay. If you had a gun to your head and were asked to make an animal noise, first question, why do you have a gun to your head? <laughs> and the second question is, what animal noise would you make? I've got a gun to my head. Yes. Because. <laughs> because my. Because my. Uh, my son has his toy squirt gun outside, and we're we're playing around in the yard. Okay. What animal noise? Okay. All right. That's what I do. And what animal was that? Um, some sort of feathered thing. All right. Maybe a toucan. That was a free-range chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm free. All right. By the way, my wife and I were in uh, an aquarium just a couple days ago, and they had a they had a crow for some reason. Because I, I think it was kind of budget, you know. We can't. Obviously, it was amphibious. <laughs> yeah, but they had a, a crow, and I do a pretty mean crow. I'll give be honest. <laughs> because I do this at home, I'll, I'll I'll just put my head out the window and go, ha ah, ah, like that, <laughs> and and they all they all answer. Do they back. all come? They all answer back. Nice. And so I was doing this in the aquarium. The thing was like looking at me and getting irritated, and it was <laughs> it was bouncing around. He just knew you had an Iowa accent. Yeah, that could be. And, and so and so I, we're walking away, and then I hear him try, trying to call me back. He's lonely. 
feel bad for them. Well, and they think they're. I think they think you're one of their own because you know you wear black. You know, <laughs> you're just like you're like a giant version of them. Yeah, I can see that. Number seven. This is kind of a an interesting question that I think only seminarians who are fairly new will remember. Okay, so what word at the seminary do first year students overuse to make themselves sound smart? Huh. Mystical union. Okay. All right. So that's the new one on campus then, huh? <laughs> At least in my class. All right. That sounded like a leading question. What were you looking for? I wasn't looking for anything. I'm just, you know me, I try to keep keep up with the kids today, you know? <laughs> Bird, do you have anything that comes to mind when I, you're in the seminary? <laughs> I really, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've uh, blocked a lot of that out, so... <laughs> Well, you always look back on yourself and you think, man, I was, <laughs> you know, I was like that toucan strutting around. And it's like, it's really not, you know, I really was a buffoon. So <laughs> that, that that's what, 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 that's why uh, when you go back to your fourth year vicar, this is what Baldwin's going to go through. You're going to realize that. <laughs> and, and that's why fourth year guys always seem a little angry and jaded. Yeah. They got the corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where are we at? Seven? Six. Six. Yeah. Number six. What do you think the kingdom of heaven smells like? A mustard seed. <laughs> oh. I'm down for that. I love mustard. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that today. Explain. Well, in our service today at Trinity, pastor preached on the parable of the mustard seed from Matthew 13 and how... Well, it may seem to our eyes here on earth that God uses, well, mundane or simple things like water and bread and wine, but these things God takes and just like that mustard seed uh, are created uh, and, and transform into something far greater than we could ever imagine with our feeble human minds. And uh, in the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus says that that seed turns into a a huge tree with nests that toucans come down and, and nestle in. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, although I, did, I must say, in my sermon, I didn't really talk about toucans. Opportunity missed, man. <laughs> but see, you know why? Because I would probably say, hey, Vicar, what does a toucan sound like? <laughs> oh, there you go. Number five. What is your favorite Bible verse from Habakkuk? <laughs> it should be two six, right? It should be. <laughs> do, do. He's th- he's buffering, buffering, buffering. He's thinking. He is deep in thought. Yeah, we'll go with two six. Would you like me to read it for you? Sure. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him? And say, woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Okay. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, but, you know, that works too. Yeah, that should be our motto. Yeah, our theme verse. <laughs> Maybe we should add that to our, our, their, our artwork where it's a clerical errors. Habakkuk 2, verse 6. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Number four. What is the most epic injury you've ever had? Ooh. 
I, uh, how about a skin infection? Does that count? Um. <laughs> Is that like leprosy? Essentially, cellulitis. I mean, an injury usually involves someone being stupid in the situation. Well, uh, let me guess. Since it's epic, you had, uh, like a skin infection from Africa. wrestling a bear? Oh, from Africa? Yeah. Transmitted on a leather chair. I sat down in that chair and I took on cellulitis. How, how long were you like uh, in the hospital or anything? I was on antibiotics. Okay. Wasn't in the hospital. Wow. Taking one for the team. Look at you, Vicar. Yeah. Number three. How would you describe the shape of our planet? <laughs> I'd say it's round like a basketball. All right. You, Am you I just, a keeper? Yeah, was you just warmed the... Berg's heart. Okay. <laughs> Great. The place where my heart should be. But... That's right. All right. Alright. <laughs> <clears throat> Number two. What are your qualifications for being the clerical heirs vicar 16.0 app? I was sent here. I I will <laughs> Gun to the head, right? Gun to the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know, I don't have any I don't have any qualifications. When I was a kid, I dreamed about being the Minnesota Twins broadcaster. And if that's good enough for you, it's Whoa. good enough for me. Oh yeah. Radio, not TV. Holy buckets. And the nice thing is here you'll have more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so So we've raised the bar. Clerical errors where all your dreams come true. <laughs> Clerical heirs, better than the twins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clerical heirs, I can see Wisconsin from my house. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Boy, that, that makes me sound old. A Sarah Palin joke? Come on. When was that, when was that said? My goodness. What is that? Getting on its it's 10 like I've been years? It's been old enough to be married 25 years. And number one. Can you spell Methuselah backwards? H A L S U H You know, you get a pass. That laugh is, you know, that laugh alone is going to get people to listen. It's going to be amazing. I just, I feel our numbers going up as we speak. You know, we never dedicated the show. We haven't dedicated the show to anybody. You got any ideas? Um, I do. Okay, Peter. I would like to dedicate this show to Reverend Dr. Lawrence R. Rast Jr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for sending us our new vicar. That's right. And remember, he wants to graduate and have a nice place, so don't hold this podcast against him. <laughs> Gun to head, he's doing a good job. Indeed. Uh, along those lines, I'm, I'm sending, I'm sending Bullhegan a picture here that I'd like him to, uh, uh, to show you guys. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Doppelganger. Oh, boy. I think the one on the left looks better, though. 
<laughs> that really is uncanny. <laughs> For those of you listening, what they're looking at is a side-by-side picture of Pastor Berg and Dr. Rast. We'll post it on the Facebook. <laughs> have you gotten that before? You had to have. Yeah, all the time, unfortunately. So <laughs> it's just tough having a mug that looks this good. <laughs> all right. So uh, that brings us to your blasphemy, Berg. What do you got for us? All right. Well, Peter, play the intro. Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damn delusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. Well, uh, our, my blasphemy for today, uh, I didn't have a lot of time or energy or much of anything. <laughs> so um, I wanted to do it on... Uh, uh, my blasphemy for today is called an Eliism. Okay, if you remember the pr- the priest Eli from mm-hmm. First Samuel, right, um, who uh, had wicked sons mm-hmm. that he didn't chastise, uh, but one of the more interesting things is how he treats Hannah, who is Samuel's mother, and so you can go and read about that in First Samuel, uh, the first few chapters of First Samuel. Okay, mm-hmm. and so here are some words about this blasphemy uh, by a guy by the name of Paul Hensel who wrote on this. Okay. Okay. And then we can talk about it after we, uh, after after I read this. Okay. So this is Paul Hensel. Paul Hensel. He was uh, a pastor in the 1920s and 30s. Okay. So, all right. Eli was a weak character. He let his worthless sons lead him around by the nose. Yet how severely he tears into Hannah while she is praying. How decisive he appears in her presence. Here he struts the dignity of his office. With what authority he investigates. He had no empathy for this weak and troubled woman who was simply driven to pour out before the Lord the anguish of her heart. Otherwise, his first impression would not have been that she was drunken. When she needs comfort, he thunders at her and upsets her all the more with his accusations. This is a wretched way to divide the word of truth. This embarrassing faux pas he set right afterward. He at least did not elevate his false assumption by virtue of his office to an unalterable fact. But let it be said for the benefit of us preachers that the church has this type of clergyman, the weak character, who, while given to sentimentality and tears, still loves to assert the authority of his office and deal with stricken and erring souls in an unreasonably harsh manner. He can lay down the law, but is not able to lift the fallen. Whenever the priest senses that he does not have the ability to put himself into a situation which is too much for him, he takes this approach. For we know it is always easier to confront someone with a rule, with a command, or or an ultimatum, and to apply this mechanically. However one has quickly and conveniently sized up the situation, then to think our way into the soul of another person, into his particular situation, to understand him in terms of his own point of view, and then try to help him in the thoughtful and tactful manner, becoming one who truly cares for souls. For this is a consuming task that requires great patience, which only one who lives in the gospel will attempt. The lazy shepherd of Eli's stripe gladly avoids this kind of unfamiliar work. Ooh. That's a... Well, it fits in with the theme today. It does. Um, so you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> 
But, you know, I mean, these sort of Eliisms are true, right? Eli is culpable in a couple of different ways. First, uh, he doesn't really raise his family as he ought to, mm-hmm. right, with his two sons. But more importantly, in this point, um, he jumps to conclusions with Hannah, right? Mm-hmm. There, he appears very domineering and very unreasonable in mm-hmm. his accusation against her. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do as a pastor mm-hmm. is to um, apply the Eighth Commandment to them, right. to think kindly of them, to put, put, put the best construction on everything they do. Um, a lot of times, it's very easy to get angry and to uh, accuse them or to think ill of them when perhaps they are struggling with unseen things in their own life. Right. Um, and that they simply lash out because you're the nearest one. You want nearest one, yeah. And so um, this is something that I think we as pastors uh, and even as Christians, right? I mean, this applies to everybody. That mm-hmm. um, just because someone is mean to you um, or ignores you or maybe treats you not as well as you would like, um, that maybe we should look for a different cause, right? Mm -hmm. That they themselves are suffering. Right. And uh, that we should seek to help them. So That's one one thing I've I've always, not always, but the more seasoned of a pastor that I am is to realize that people are who they are for a reason. And often, you know, it's I'll usually sin, (laughs) but that's, for all of us. And and when people kind of lash out at you or deal with you in a way that, that hurts, um, to really look at it in this way. Okay, where what kind of place is this coming from? You know, they're obviously not healthy. How can I help them? And, and our natural, you know, what I think Baldwin said this, uh, Vicar Point uh, 15, 15.0, said, talked about how we were learning when you look at a text that the natural tendency when you preach it is, how do I preach the law and then apply the gospel rather than looking at a text and how can I apply the gospel mm-hmm. and then use the law to serve that? I think uh, it's really easy as pastors and as Christians in general um, to uh, to to think highly of ourselves in such a way that's, that says, you know, um, I would never act that way. I would never treat anybody that way. But you don't know what they've gone through you don't know what is it the place that it's coming from because I I've noticed over the years sometimes it comes from a pla- a place of depression where mm-hmm. everything is skewed down or something happens in a family that you don't know that really causes them causes them a lot of consternation and it and everything they hear from God's word can be troubling you know and and uh, and so so one thing that's very difficult as a pastor to do is to, to have that nuance and to really care for them because there's a part of us that just wants to, to hammer with the law. But, mm-hmm. but that's not what Jesus does in, in Trinity 10, is it, in, in Luke chapter 19? And I, can I finish my thought? Please. But I want to say this. It goes both ways. Because mm-hmm. there are many times where a pastor speaks for the word of God and says, and he tries to lead the co- a congregation in the way of the word of God. And so it's come across as, hey, do you know what? We think you're being kind of don- domineering in another way when he's trying to lead to the gospel, where where the same kind of care and concern is not giving for the, go- for the pastor uh, in some situations where it becomes, well, we just think that you you just want it your way rather than He's trying to lead them in the way of the scripture. And so it goes both ways where 
where uh, where uh, from the congregation that pastors sometimes deal with. Wouldn't you say that that happens? Absolutely. And that's why, like, no doubt, we should call out sin for what it is. And, for example, you look at the man of God who confronts Eli on his sin. Well, part of that is is that his sons were open and manifest sinners, right? Mm-hmm. That um, this was known, right? Um, that's a different situation than, you know, like Hannah, where it might look really strange and almost sinful, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the thing. Until you, until you know, until you're able to investigate it a little bit deeper and have patience with it, um, we shouldn't be so quick to judge in that way um, because they might be committing sins. They might not. Um, and so to be patient and to bear with one another in their burdens, um, that's isn't that what the law of Christ is? Yeah. As as you know, the New Testament says. So. Yeah, if you, if you the, the text we were talking about from Luke chapter 19, Jesus was bearing their burdens. He was weeping for Jerusalem because they were going to be destroyed. And the answer was right there before them, and they still rejected him. So what does he do? He, he weeps over them. Mm-hmm. He feels their judgment, and he carries their judgment on the cross. Right. And that's, and that's the thing, is that, pastors, if you're dealing with this, if it's hard to love your people, or impossible at this time, um, remember what Jesus did for you, right? Um, and even though you don't feel it, make sure you pray for your people, especially your enemies. Um, because, you know, that's very important. Because hopefully through that, God will um, also rekindle that love that you have for your people. And and I, I do really think that's one thing that I think we both have been wanting to do with this, con- this podcast. That's why... It's look behind the collar because we want to create more understanding between pastor and people. Right. You know, we want to show people what is in the heart of a pastor because it's sometimes it's misunderstood. But on the same time, uh, we also want pastors to understand what's going on in the hearts of the people. Right. And, and so to create a more open dialogue for pastor and people to deal honest with each other, talk honestly with each other. And sometimes hearing it from a different perspective, a different mouth can help because when you get caught in yourself it uh it's hard to be it's hard to see things for what they really are right so right well very good very so, good uh vicar do you have anything to add to this <laughs> that was a whole lot of wisdom i'll leave it there see that's that's where you're a good vicar because if you were a first year seminary student you would say from my experience <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Am I wrong? No. <laughs> <coughs> oh, first years. Oh, we were all there someday. We were all day. there. We were all there. It just makes you cringe. Yeah, that's what. That's what. That's why we have the vicars here to kind of beat it out of them, humble them, <laughs> force them to make animal noises. Indeed. <laughs> all right, that brings us to. I, I never con- forget. I always forget. <laughs> what are we doing? The Concentrationally Impaired Bible Study. Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. Hey, hey Vicar, uh, what do you think about this music? I like it. <laughs> wait, wait, this is my favorite part. <laughs> wait. Oh, yeah, there it is. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, uh, Vicar. Um, we are on Obadiah 19. Would you like to uh, do you read that for us? Those of the Negeb shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. All Boom. right. All right. <laughs> All uh, right. Uh, Obadiah just dropped the mic, didn't he? Indeed. <laughs> so this is, once again, one of those gospel verses. So <laughs> even though you have to know your geography to uh, <laughs> to uh, figure it out. So um, for those, uh, and honestly, guys, uh, this geography in the Bible is very, very important. Um, they actually talk about um, these things are recorded for us. Um and for our learning, okay? There's a site called L. Tom's Lutheran Treasures of Old Missouri. Can you can you spell that out or uh, Lutheran Treasures of Old Missouri? Okay, if you Google that, um, that is a great website that has uh, um, some Bible history knowledge stuff from a guy by the name of Clink, and he actually goes through the geography of Israel oh. and why it's theologically important. Okay, it's okay. really great that Israel uh, was not only set apart because they lived in the hill country. Jerusalem is on a hill, right? That's why mm -hmm. they're always going up, right? Mm -hmm. But they also, uh, Israel is at the crossroads of the world, right? Between two great empires. So that way they could be a light to the nations. And so geography really does matter, okay? And it has theological significance, okay? Just like it ha does here. So... Those of the Negeb, the Negeb is a desert region, right? They shall possess Mount Esau. Mount Esau is Mount Seir, where the, where the Edomites live. Those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines, right? So those from this very small plain area near the Philistine border, remember the Philistines were the people who sacked Jerusalem during mm -hmm. this time, right? Uh, they shall be conquered, the Philistines will be conquered by the children of Israel, right? So here you see a reversal again, right? The conquerors will become the conquered. The vanquished shall become the victors. Uh, and not only that, but the people shall possess the land of Ephraim. And if you remember, Ephraim is in the northern kingdom, mm -hmm. okay? And the land of Samaria, still the northern kingdom. And Benjamin, the smallest tribe, the tribe that was almost extinguished during the time of the judges, they shall possess Gilead. Gilead is on the other side of the Jordan River. So here we see a complete reversal of the fortunes of the people of Israel, right? That God will not leave them desolate, but that he will uh, give them victory. And we see this most assuredly in the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So so to me, when I hear your explanation of that, it reminds me a lot of the of uh, Mary's song, the Magnificat. Right. Where, where he, he lifts the humble. Right. Those in their lowliest state. He, he casts down the mighty from their thrones, from their thrones, and he exalts the lowly. He fills the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. And 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 now, on the one hand, it, the passage then might seem like it's like law, just about the judgment of those people. But when Mary sings that song of of the Christ, our Lord Jesus, it is wonderful gospel, and so is this passage from Obadiah. Right. That. For the church, this is gospel, right? And that part of the gospel is the judgment that God has against the church's enemies, right? We've mm -hmm. talked about this before, that um, God's enemies will be put down 
and his church shall be exalted, right? And who are the true enemies of the church? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm. but against, you know, the the powers of darkness, right? Mm-hmm. As uh, what Ephesians 6 talks about, so. Yeah, all right, very good. So look up those things. They're pretty rad. Um, it'll make you appreciate all of the uh, geographical details given in the Bible a little more, you know. And uh, more, we'll so. try and, uh, Peter, if you want to remind me, we'll, or Berg, can you post that? website on our Facebook page? Yep, I definitely will. Okay. All right. All right, good. That brings us to news that bothers Berg. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right, we'll get through this fast, but I, I just, it's not religious, but I just thought it would bother you. Okay. All right. All right. And I want to see maybe if you can you can uh, see if you could have some uh, some meaning from this in a positive way, okay? Okay. Um, this is something that I saw. Um, hey, I've been swinging from the fences here for gospel this this episode, so it's not all doom and gloom. Okay, all right. So this is a, a new story out of Minneapolis. Okay. Not too far from us, right? Actually, no. not too far from uh, Vickers' home, right? So they've been mm-hmm. in the news lately. Do you know why? Why? Because Minneapolis has banned drive-through windows. No way. What? Yeah. So what? Why? Uh, in order to reduce emissions and increase safety, Minneapolis has banned the creation of any new drive-throughs, not only from food establishments but from banks and pharmacies within city limits. But there's no parking. <laughs> like how how are you supposed to do any business i don't know like i i just i don't understand oh. <laughs> i think i found one peter what do you think this is a major step back for society it, it really is this is i mean this is just techno barbarism do you know what that means it means that uh if you're in minneapolis you want to invest in like uber eeps eats Right. Exactly. Right. So that because now what people do is they'll just have it delivered, which will burn more fuel. Right. Ah, oh, jeepers. Well, you know what's awesome? Like in South Dakota, they have drive-through windows at at uh, um, at uh, liquor stores. Like, I want to expand the drive-through <laughs> windows, not like cut them off. Maybe that should be a top twelve top twelve do uh, uh, drive-throughs that we could have. Yes. No doubt, man. Ah, 12 ways to make society better. <laughs> Number one, drive through windows. Yeah, so is there any kind of uh, uh, meaning that we can get from this? Uh, I think we see that their God is the environment, even though it basically destroys um, any sort of ease or leisure we had in eating. <laughs> And, um, I mean, honestly, if you're going to look at like, um, like it's amazing because this is like, uh, the drive through windows for eateries, right? That's fasting, uh, for banks, it's like uh, indulgences and for pharmacies, right? I mean, so you, I mean, this is the new religion, man. There we go. And, and, uh, and, and what I was thinking about this is, is just how, what happens when the motivation is the law, when it's, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't really change hearts and minds. It's not going to do anything for the environment. No. In my opinion. It might make give people a false sense of security saying, oh, I feel better about myself because I'm doing something in a positive step. But it's really not going to do anything. It's just like when it comes to works righteousness. You know, we might do something. Oh, that makes me feel better. But it didn't do anything that really actually helps your salvation. No. No. And, and so, to and, me, and, and, the and parallels really, there are quite... But you know who loves this, right? The people who already have drive through windows down there. Yeah. <laughs> because no new competition, right? Yeah. So think about that. Think if you like, have, you have, the rich get richer oh, once again. If you own a drive through restaurant in Minneapolis, this is what you do. You sell. Your property just got tripled in value. Indeed. Okay. So what you do is you find someone who really wants a drive through window. You keep the same name. You sell it to them at a premium. Mm-hmm. And then you give 20% to Clerical Heirs, the podcast. <laughs> I like it. Vicar, we're going to get you a mic by the end of this. <laughs> we're going to have three mics in here if, we, if, we, if this plan hatches. Oh, my goodness. Something that a lot of people may not know, too, is that you guys spend a lot of time on the road, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we make visits. We make visits. All over the place. We go to hospitals and sometimes even in different states. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, we go to conferences all over the place. I mean, we put a lot of miles on the road, and uh, you know, we use those eateries. Indeed. And I think you probably make you upset because then you have to go in a restaurant and see people. <laughs> no, I hate it. Ah. <laughs> uh. It's like, I just want to be in peace. I just want to eat my double quarter pounder and cry once in a while in my car. Okay. <laughs> just rage eat in my vehicle. Listen to Bon Jovi. What's wrong with that? I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, just like, you know, yelling out dead or alive, right? You <laughs> That's know? right. So. But, uh. So how do you feel about that, Vicar? This is this is your your stomping grounds, isn't it? I I can't speak for the political decisions of the state of Minnesota. I would probably disagree with just about all of them. So yeah, it <laughs> is hurts. this surprising well, to it you? Hurts. Yeah, this, yeah. Had I you mean, heard this before? Surprising. I mean, I say it at the seminary. I do drive-throughs all the time. What am I going to do? I mean, I run and get custard for my wife from Culver's. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to Hopsing Express, which is strictly a Chinese drive-through. I mean, and see, people. The, the, the note of the story is is a worry that this is going to be a trend. Yeah, I'm not going to eat. I'd be less people worried about the, the trend of getting rid of drive-throughs and more worried about riots. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there would be this much outrage, though, if, like, they started closing churches? <laughs> Which would have caused bigger riots? They might want drive through churches, though. <laughs> that, that's true. All right. Um, that brings us to Confound the Clerics. Peter, play the intro. Confound the Clerics. So, this question is... Uh, I posted on Facebook that uh, we are recording an episode and ask for questions and i have one comment here it's, it's kind of strange i asked for if you have any questions and i didn't get really a question i got this this exclamation it says 
The origin of dinosaur fossils, exclamation point. Um, okay, at least say origin correctly, please. The origin <laughs> of dinosaur fossils, exclamation point. Say it the other way, though. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I said it. <laughs> you said origin, <laughs> origin, and that is not the first origin. time you've said that today. Origin. <laughs> origin. Origin. <laughs> oh. well, I'm glad I made you laugh. <laughs> so, um, so, Heidi, uh, our, our listener there, um, I'm assuming you wanted to question, but it, it sounds a little angry. It sounds a little... You know. Or super enthusiastic. Yes. You know. I mean, who doesn't like dinosaur bones? All right. Yeah, that's true. So what are the origins of these? I have to know. Exclamation point. <laughs> See, I like the answer from Good Omens, which says that uh, God was playing a practical joke when he buried all those dinosaur bones, and the paleontologists haven't figured out the, uh, the, the punchline yet. Okay. But... Uh, that's not the right answer. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there to our listener, Heidi. Okay. I think, now you can correct me, uh, that these dinosaur fossils came from dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. That, that's, that's, <laughs> I, that's a, I think that's a valid hypothesis. Okay, but but can you believe? But here's the thing, Berg. Can you believe that the design dinosaurs existed and the Bible at the same time? It's pretty rad, man. I tell you what. Now, does that mean we have to scientifically explain everything? No. 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 But uh, but uh, I think sometimes those outside the church might say, "Well, you Christians believe that God created everything. You believe in a flood." Well, as they say, riddle me this. As Heidi would say, riddle me this, man. The origin of dinosaur bones. <laughs> uh, if you want some uh, more scientific answers, you know, answers in Genesis, Ken Ham does a pretty good job of uh, um, really reconciling the biblical account with the, um, uh, with the archaeological evidence that we have. So that's, uh, you know. That, that way I will say this, though, is sometimes I think, uh, when it comes to dinosaur bones, you know, they find things like, well, obviously, in some circles they say, well, they did not exist at the same time as humans, but then they find dinosaur bones and then they find human remains. Right. Or human footprints. Or they find uh, dinosaur bones with DNA still in the marrow, you know? And so that's the thing. Why not? Why couldn't the flood have buried uh, many, many, many dinosaurs? And, uh, and, and by the way, you know? every time, how many times do we hear? I was at this aquarium, right? And and uh, and a lot of the exhibits exhibits talked about extinct animals, right? Mm-hmm. And how they continue to be extinct, and we are losing species all the time. But then, where they see animals that don't exist, they say, "Well, it had to be a long time ago because they're no longer around." While at the same time, they talk about animals that are no longer around as they were twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Or they think something is extinct, and then they find one. <laughs> yeah, well, this is actually this is kind of funny. Is they had a section of of animals, okay? This was in Duluth at the aquarium, and they the, when you first walk in, it's they have like a evolution thing where they show when this animal lived, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the aquarium, they have an animal that looks just like it in the fish tank. <laughs> so that like, look, you're looking at this animal like it was in history. 
I want you to think about that for a minute. So I had this this weird looking shellfish type thing that was swimming around, and they show like a fossil of it from millions and millions of years ago, and this is what it looks like today. It's swimming around in their fish tank, and I'm thinking, are you sure they're extinct? Are you sure this was 60 million years ago? Well, you have one in your fish tank. Boy, that's an old shellfish. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think it, it became extinct because it was always thinking of, its, of itself. Indeed. It's very shellfish. <laughs> that was very punny. I like it. All right. Shut it down. We're done with this podcast. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> After that, we're not doing anything else. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. Our audience is expanding, and uh, we thank you for listening. Please tell a friend. Tell a friend. Let them know what you think about the show. And, mm. and uh, Email a friend of me. Yeah. Think of someone you don't get along with and tell them to listen to the show. And then you'll get along better. Walk up to someone on the street and just yell, clericalerrors.org. Okay. You could do that. Um, uh, every time you go through drive through <laughs> Think. Of clerical errors. All right. So uh, let's check out, let's see how our Vicar app is doing. So, um, <laughs> uh, hey, Vicar, uh, where can people get a hold of our podcast? Well, they can get a hold of us at clericalerrors.org, Facebook, Clerical Errors Podcast, Twitter at Clerical Errors. Uh, clerical Errors P. P. Let me do this for the listener. P. For podcast. They can email feedback at clericalairs.org or find us anywhere podcasts are found. And you can also email us at vicar16.0 at clericalairs.org. That's how advanced we are. You remember this? By the way, my wife and I were in uh, an aquarium just a couple days ago, and they had a, they had a crow for some reason. Because I, I think it was kind of budget, you know. We can't. Obviously, it was amphibious. <laughs> yeah, but they had a, a crow, and I do a pretty mean crow. I can be honest. <laughs> because I do this at home, I'll, I'll I'll just put my head out the window and go, ah, ah, like that, <laughs> and and they all they all answer. Do they back. all come? They all answer back. Nice. And so I was doing this in the aquarium. The thing was like looking at me and getting irritated, and it was <laughs> it was bouncing around. He just knew you had an Iowa accent. Yeah, that could be. And, and so and so I, we're walking away, and then I hear him try, trying to call me back. He's lonely. I feel bad for him. Vicar's <laughs> <laughs> looking at us like we're weird. Uh, he He's regretting it now. Yeah. And how about this? What are your qualifications for being the Clerical Heirs Vicar 16.0 app? I was sent here. I, I will. <laughs> Gun to the head, right? <laughs> Gun to the head. <laughs> no, I. You know, I don't have any. I don't have any qualifications. When I was a kid, I dreamed about being the Minnesota Twins broadcaster. And if that's good enough for you, it's well, good enough for me. Oh yeah. Radio, not TV. And the nice thing is, here you'll have more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we've raised the bar. Clerical errors where all your dreams come true. <laughs> Clerical errors better than the twins. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
Clerical errors. I can see Wisconsin from my house. (laughs) 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 Hey, Vicar, do you remember this? So, this question is... uh, I posted on Facebook that uh, we are recording an episode and ask for questions. And I have one comment here. It's, it's kind of strange. I asked for if you have any questions, and I didn't get really a question. I got this, this exclamation. It says, the origin of dinosaur fossils, exclamation point. Um, okay, at least say origin correctly, please. The origin <laughs> of dinosaur fossils, exclamation point. Say it the other way, though. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I said it. <laughs> You said origin, <laughs> origin, and that is not the first origin. time you've said that today. Origin. <laughs> origin. Origin. Oh. Well, I'm glad I made you laugh. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Origin. <laughs> Yes, I was thinking of the church fathers, man. <laughs> All right, I think this is enough. So, uh, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And uh, may your origins be bright. <laughs> thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.